This is Meditation Inspiration. I'm your host, mindfulness meditation teacher Katie Austin, and this podcast is here to inspire you to either start a meditation practice or to keep one going. I've got real life stories from meditators from around the world to inspire you with your practice. I'm so happy to have you here. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Meditation Inspiration. I have another very special guest for you today. I have my teacher and supervisor, Vicky Williams, and I've known from the beginning that I wanted to have Vicky as a guest on the podcast, and she is a incredible, kind and warm-hearted human being. And it was just such a wonderful experience to connect with Vicky in this way. And Vicky has been teaching mindfulness for a long time and has a very long-standing practice of meditation herself, which she talks about in this episode and her adventures in India and meeting the Dalai Lama. And yeah, it's a really, really special um, conversation. So I hope you enjoy it. And here we go. So hi, Vicky. Hi, Katie. It's um such um such a pleasure to have you with with me on on the podcast today. Um thank you so much. Yeah. And um we were just kind of I was just saying before before we pressed record that I'm actually feeling probably the most nervous <laughs> that I felt with any guest because I've I've known Vicky for a long, long time. And actually, you you taught me the very first mindfulness-based course that I ever took part in, Vicky. <laughs> well, it's been a, it's really a privilege to be here with you and to to kind of step out of that journey that we've been sharing over the years and have this conversation. So, mm. uh, you know, thank you for asking me, and um, it's very lovely to be here with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's a bit strange because normally, it's kind of it's we're in supervision. Vicky is my supervisor, and the kind of the spotlight's on me a little bit more, and and that's sort of my comfort zone in these kind of conversations with Vicky. So it's um, it's really interesting for me to be asking Vicky the questions, and um, it's yeah, it's it's going to be yeah, it's a real. I'm really grateful. Yeah. So, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know how long ago it was that we first met now. I think it was 2018, I think, if I, mm. or maybe a little bit before. Yeah, I think it was 2018. Um, and, yeah, and I remember calling you up about the mindfulness-based course and um, you were, you'd, you were in a lay-by and, <laughs> <laughs> and I was so excited that I'd finally found an in-person course to take part in um, 
And it was, yeah, it was the start of an amazing, amazing journey. Mm. And um, yeah, and Vicky's been alongside myself and my co-teacher Jen, who have also had um, on the on the podcast and uh, alongside us on our on our um, teaching journey as we've we've stepped into to teaching mindfulness based stress reduction ourselves. So yeah, um, so. Vicky, I wonder if we might have a little chat about kind of what first drew you to mindfulness practice. What inspired you to start practicing? What was the beginning of your journey with all of this? Mm. Well, thanks, Katie, and thanks for the question, because it's kind of (laughs) taken taken me you know in pondering a little bit before meeting with you this morning you know just just kind of have opened my mind to to times gone by you know to the beginning of this journey for me in terms of mindfulness meditation practice and I think in in essence it began way back in a a little chapel in uh, Devon and at the time I was at school and um and there was a an amazing bishop who was called Bishop Key and he was uh and it seemed at the time he was an elderly man and he was just very holy. There was something about him that was very beautiful as a human being in the world. And we, as you know, just as a normal kind of thing, we had some kind of blessing or something. You know, I was probably about eight or nine. And he wow. just came and he put his hand on my head. And there was just something beautiful that happened in that moment of, I don't know, hard to describe, but just something very profound that I couldn't make sense of, but I felt and I knew. Mm. And and I guess that was a kind of a an entry point into something that I that as I say I couldn't make sense of or it just yeah I didn't speak about it was just something experienced within and I think that kind of unknowingly opened the door into kind of a quest for seeking a quest for um understanding beyond the relative world if you like beyond um the everydayness of our lives that there's something else here and i mm. want to discover what that is so again these weren't necessarily you know questions that i was aware of but there was just some some knowing inside that there's that that I want to find some truth within all of this, this existence that we call life. And so some years later, that led me into yoga. Um, and I uh, used to go to a yoga center uh, with a beautiful uh, American woman who was a yoga teacher who really lived and breathed yoga um, and her journey her quest, if you like, into what is this all about? Mm. 
Um, so she was very pivotal. She was a very, she was a very warm hearted person. And she, I guess I was about 19 at the time. And I felt really seen by her. Mm -hmm. I felt really met by her in a way that, um, again, just touched something in me and opened me to something that felt really precious. That really valuable. And then I think from there, the sort of next really pivotal time was traveling. And I traveled into India and I went up into Nepal and I did a, a three week trek up in the Himalayas. Yeah. Wow. Which, which <laughs> was incredible in so many ways. And and I ended up coming over this pass. I think it's like 18,000 feet or something. It's just way up in the Annapurna range. And, um, and then coming down into a little village called Marpa, which was a tiny little, I don't know, traditional Nepalese kind of village. And it was a particular time of year when, um, there was a lot of Buddhist uh, celebration and uh, I think probably it was the new year so there was a lot of activity going on in a very small little what they call gompa which is like a little temple up in the in the hills and they were having uh, prayers and practice there and then they were also my memory is that they were also connecting out into the land and it was so it was very much part of um everything was integrated you know the the practice was was the whole community was the whole village you know everyone was there the, the elderly folk the young everyone was there and it was all about them there in the landscape with everything and there was something that just spoke to me so strongly about, wow, this is it. And there was something within all of that around joy, about celebration, about honoring everything that was there without the additional, you know, their life is very simple and it's hard, you know, it's, it's challenging. They're living in extreme conditions. And yet in, in that was a radiance and a spirit that was just, it just moved me and touched me and, and again, opened something that this is what is possible to be fully alive and fully awake in the midst of it all. So it kind of, there was like an evolution or there was a sort of, there was a, a process of unfolding that I, that I could connect back to that experience in the chapel in Devon mm -hmm. that kind of shone out again in, in the conditions that I found myself there in Nepal. Mm -hmm. There was a resonance. There was, yeah, there was something profound and beautiful and and very real mm. yeah i feel like i've just been transported to nepal um, 
in that moment and um and I, I wonder what it was like returning to to England after such a profound experience of of seeing a very different culture and one that you felt so resonated with mm. do you remember what it was like returning yeah, yeah I, do. <laughs> <laughs> I do Katie yeah great question it wasn't easy it wasn't easy something had opened up and then coming back here it kind of felt like you know and I've recognized you know increasingly you know it's around my perception of things you know that I had to sort of fit myself into a box Mm -hmm. somehow and that wasn't easy Mm. yeah so there was a kind of a landing back and and almost like it's almost feels like learning another language and then not being able to speak that where I was yeah yeah that makes sense yeah totally yeah 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 and and I guess in a way Katie the journey has been around how do I how do I find that language how do I realize that experience in my life here Mm. how do I integrate what I felt was two worlds into my my life as it is here in Cornwall Mm -hmm. and that's you know been the continuation of the journey yes Mm. and so was that your your first contact with with Buddhism I mean you said that there was you um practiced yoga and and was there was there meditation involved in the yoga practice that you met? Or was there kind of the first tastes of at what point Buddhism came in? Mm. I suppose is my question. Yeah. 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 And the practice, your practice of um of meditation. How where did it go from that experience of meeting um that community in Nepal? Mm. So I think meditation had been there, as you say, kind of as mm-hmm. part of the yoga that I'd mm-hmm. experienced with with Susan, and um, but in a or not, but but in a more yogic kind of yeah. Hindu tradition, yes. and um, yeah, so so very much that experience of meditation I think began in the Gompa in Nepal. Mm-hmm and and so the the experience of practice in that community um was this was the sort of starting point of my my journey with buddhism mm-hmm. um and then it sort of continued kind of intermittently really you know mm-hmm. as i became more aware of what was possible here mm-hmm. um and one of the really significant things for me or significant times was was going to see the Dalai Lama in in London going to have teachings with the Dalai Lama wow yeah so that felt like ah okay I can do this you know that there's things happening here Mm. from that world that are coming into this world and Mm -hmm. um 
so that was that was huge of course and yeah he was teaching on two particular texts and um and they've been you know here ever since those two texts you know wow so the the sort of essence of mm-hmm. of emptiness and compassion mm-hmm. um yeah i i can give you the the detail of those texts but i yeah. i wouldn't want to <laughs> It's the Shanti Dev is the Bodhisattva way of life. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Shanti Kirti, I think. Um, yeah, I can't quite remember absolutely accurately the title of that text, so I can let you know. But Thank basically, you. yeah, basically those those two fundamental teachings from from Buddhism. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm. Right. So. Mm. Yeah. You were going to say you were going to continue mm. saying something. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he came here, and and the and the gift and immensity of being in his presence. And again, it was kind of like, wow, this is what is possible in this human form. You mm. know, the way he is. The, you know, that in the midst of, you know, all that has been. For him in this lifetime with you know all that's happened in tibet and being a refugee in india and mm-hmm. you know the enormity of all of that you know just seeing how he shines and 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 feeling and deeply uh obviously respecting and valuing his way of being with that suffering yeah was profound and again it's just like wow this is this is a way that for me resonates so deeply mm-hmm. mm. this feels true to me this yeah this speaks to my heart yeah yeah and that again that sort of that being in the presence of of what 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 is possible in mm. that way of being in the world um yeah experiencing that mm. yeah mm. and i guess uh, it inspiring you know it, just yeah. so inspiring like wow so yeah. this is possible and you know what vicky it really really reminds me of the first time that i sat in your class <laughs> just to be and it's something that yeah my um yeah Jen Jen my my friend and co-teacher we both talk about just the yeah just be being in your presence is an inspiration to us and to to be you know for you to have experienced that and be able to offer it to us is a very beautiful thing <laughs> bless you well, that, thank you i mean that's that's beautifully generous uh. of you really and <laughs> yeah and mm. and means a lot actually that you know because this is about you know this path that we're on that we share mm. you know the preciousness of it is is how we how are we in the world mm. you know and as our you know, one of our great teachers in the secular mindfulness world, Sakitan Tureli, mm. speaks about, you know, the non-instrumental, you know, the the way in which we are underneath 
you know what we're speaking you know what what comes through our embodiedness what comes through the practice mm-hmm. from, you know from from having been on our cushion yeah over time you know in whatever way that has been yeah you know, how the practice kind of speaks silently yes mm. yeah something that's almost impossible to describe with words yeah. that yeah yeah uh, yeah that's so so fascinating to hear <laughs> that you met the Dalai Lama <laughs> You're, it's, yeah that's incredible um I did not know that oh. um yes and then and then from there what what happened next Mm, so from there what happened next is I guess having a lot of teaching so having you know the tradition that the Dalai Lama is in in Tibetan Buddhism is is um a lot about study and Mm -hmm. and so I was reading a lot at that time and and then I really felt like I wanted to I wanted to deepen practice. You know, I knew I needed that to come down into my experience. And, mm-hmm. and so I took myself off to Samiling Monastery up in Scotland. Yes. Yeah. And the Kaju tradition, which is, which is, um, what's sometimes spoken about as a whispered lineage. So it's, it's very much about practice. It's, it's as is, of course, the Dalai Lama tradition, but just slightly different emphasis. And, um and so i was going there and getting teachings and you know going on retreat and and being around akon rinpoche who mm. who um was just this incredible being in the world you know really really inspiring again and in the same and different kind of way and and was just very affirming that you know this path Mm -hmm. so much is possible Mm. so much is possible Mm. and I think I may just if I may add something in here Katie just to you know just coming to mind around what you were saying about who may be receiving this podcast and yeah something that had a really profound impact on me in relation to Buddhism Mm -hmm. and other eastern traditions is is the view that we're already perfectly pure, you know, is the view that it's all here already. We don't need to find anything out there. You know, so it, it, the, the tradition speak about our nature being compassionate, loving, full of wisdom. Yeah, and it's about revealing that. Mm-hmm. rather than feeling we need to fix and change and improve ourselves so it sees that we're like the sky you know our awareness our mind it's all here we have it all mm-hmm. and that we have patterns that are more like the clouds that that can kind of block and obscure things mm-hmm. so it's about revealing what is already here rather than trying to make something different from what is here about you know changing something that is here yes yeah mm-hmm. so i guess these great beings that i was so blessed to be in the presence of and and have been over time is about fully experiencing what that is 
what it is to be in the presence of someone who is in that place of of compassion is in that place of loving awareness is in that place of wisdom mm-hmm. and the beauty of that the beauty to feel that mm. and to be met in that way yeah a very very special thing mm. Mm. absolutely yeah. yeah and i think it's you know it's a way of seeing that is from many eastern traditions mm. i think in the sufi tradition they speak about it if i'm and i hope i'm quoting this right I think it's often referred to as original grace. Mm, original grace. So it's not something manufactured. It's something that we all have within us. And there are different paths. You know, Rumi speaks about, you know, many, many routes up the, to the top of the mountain. Yes. You know, and, I, and I think it's about, you know, what I feel so grateful for is finding the path that for me Mm. sings, you know, that, that Mm. I feel I can really trust and I, I believe in and I, and gives me a a map and shows me a way of, you know, of of being able to realize that potential. Yes. Yeah. At some point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, whenever that might be. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So well I uh I love that phrase. Yeah, discovering, you know, what what is possible, seeing what is possible. So from there, where did you end up coming kind of stepping into teaching? What when did did that kind of Mm. come about Mm. how Mm. thanks katie so the connection with sammy ling meant that i was in i was able to connect him with many amazing teachers the many amazing buddhist teachers um and also took me to india as well to receive teachings in india Mm -hmm. um so I went back and I saw the Dalai Lama again, had teachings there in Dharamsala. I uh, saw the Kamapa, you know, these are, yeah, um, he's a very high Rinpoche in, again, in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, I guess, it, sort of just condensing things down a little bit, brought me to, back to Scotland to a teacher called Minja Rinpoche. Mm. And between 2003 and 2006, did a, a sort of over three year course. So we would go and be with him for a week. Um, and then he would give us practices to do, which we would then bring home with us and we would do that. And then we'd go back and see him again. Mm-hmm. So, so that really, so I've been practicing in, in different ways over that kind of period from the late nineties. Um, well, the 80s, I guess, actually. And then seeing Mindrim Shea, it sort of consolidated everything. It kind of brought me very specifically onto a series of practices that was enormously helpful because it just, it, it simplified everything. It's like, okay, here I am, and this is what I've been asked to do. 
and this is my mm-hmm. commitment and I will honor that um so that's mm-hmm. that's what happened there and then on the back of that um or alongside all of that I was working in mental health at that time mm-hmm. I set up a I set up Nightlink a community mental health helpline and did some research with the NHS and um and then was asked or uh invited if that's the right word to uh come in to what was uh, a service within the NHS supporting people with complex emotional challenges um so it was under the lead of an amazing guy called Mike Hostick mm-hmm. and it was dialectical behavior therapy was a sort of bedrock of what was being offered to these folk and essential or uh, the essence of dialectical behavior therapy is mindfulness mm-hmm. um and so i came in to to kind of research this service and to offer mindfulness to these folk wow. so to offer guided practices um and it just was such a gift to be there with these amazing folk you know working with an amazing team and the the clients that were that coming to the service were just these extraordinary extraordinary human beings and it mm-hmm. was just such a privilege to to be working and to be bringing mindfulness to them or mm-hmm. yeah so that was the beginning of my teaching and 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 then at that time in the sort of secular mindfulness world, this whole movement was, mm. you know, gathering lots of momentum. And, and so the, the natural thing was to go and train in mindfulness, in secular mindfulness. And the postgraduate course at X university felt like the kind of obvious place to go at the time. Willem, William Kirkham was, you know, was leading the course. Christina Feldman was um, nice. right there with him and Alison Evans and Jenny Wilkes. So it was a really solid team and, and it was just up the road. You know, I didn't have to go to <laughs> India or anywhere or yeah. Scotland. It wow. was just, just up the road. And, um, and so I did the two years training there, mindfulness-based approaches. Mm-hmm. And and was very fortunate at that time to then connect with Paula Fairweather, uh, dear Paula, who had also had a very strong connection to the Tibetan Buddhist tradition um, and had been working in the NHS and had at the same time started her training at Bangor. Ah, okay. Yeah. And at that time, you know, we there was just a little handful of us who were who were training in mindfulness-based approaches. So myself at Exeter and Paula and a few other folk who were at Bangor. Mm-hmm. And, and cut a long story short, Paula and I joined forces. And, and well, she kind of invited me, really. She was working for Outlook Southwest at the time mm-hmm. to come and be alongside her in offering mbct or it's more of a sort of a hybrid course at yeah. that time um 
within the primary care NHS service. Yeah. So we had this absolute amazing thing of co-teaching, you know, very similar to you and Jen, eh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> co-teaching together mm-hmm. for many, many courses. I, I don't remember how many, but, you know, for for a good couple of years or more than that maybe under the nhs umbrella or within outlook southwest and then mindfulness was very relatively new in 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 the nhs at that time and it was still you know it was still a bit sort of tentative as to hmm, you know what is this approach that is very different you Mm -hmm. know and and so um at that point, the sort of funding stream came to a, an end and and it kind of offered a, a space, if you like, because that came to an end. It offered a space for Paula and I to look at, okay, we love this. We see the value. We feel the value of it. We hear the value of it as, a, as an approach to support people in their lives. Mm-hmm. So let's let's set something up. Let's set mindfulness Cornwall up. Let's set mm-hmm. a community interest company up, so that we can continue to offer courses out for the general public. Mm-hmm. And we did that in in two thousand and eleven. And and continue to teach together, and for again a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, Offering the hybrid sort of MBCT MBSR course that was that came from Bangor mm-hmm. at that time, and then gradually over time, there's I think been a recognition that things need to be very clear around: is this MBSR? Is this MBCT? Yeah. And with the roots and the origins of MBSR, um, we've tended to sort of be more. We've gone with the sort of more aligned to MBSR. Mm-hmm. In terms of an approach that we've been offering out to to the general public, yes, um, yeah, yeah. So deep, deep appreciation and and love the MBCT curriculum. Mm-hmm. There's something about MBSR that that really feels where my heart is. I think in terms of continuing to teach, yes, um, yeah. No. Yes. So, so it was a long answer to your question. So, <laughs> 2006, I think. Yeah. And 2005, 2006, when my teaching began. Yes. Mm. And wow, I mean, to to start teaching within, um, within the NHS in the the with the dialectical behavioural. It is is di- is it DBT Dialect- mm. dialectical behavioral therapy team? Mm. Um, just yeah, I mean, God, how lucky they were to have have you to come in and and teach. I so, I, I could ask so many questions, but <laughs> about all of that, um, what we've got? Yes, we've we've got a little bit of time left, so. I would really love to hear what advice 
you know, after your many years of teaching, a lot of people I imagine who've never even had contact with mindfulness before and introducing them to that and others that maybe have had experience, lots of experience with mindfulness across that spectrum. What advice would you give to someone who is new to mindfulness meditation and practice and is, is really their, their interest be has their interest has been piqued? Um, mm. Is there any words of wisdom you would give to someone in that situation? Like, I'm interested, but I'm not quite sure where to go next or mm. things to keep in mind. Mm. Yeah, thanks, mm. Katie. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question and not an easy one to answer, <laughs> I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think what I would really encourage is for that person to have a conversation, to find someone that they can have a conversation with to support them to to find the right fit at this stage mm-hmm. because there's many many possibilities now hey in terms yeah. of how people can access mindfulness yeah. practice you know it may be through an app it may be through it may be through an eight-week course it may be through an introductory course it may be through buddhism it may be through meditation and yoga so, you know, my feeling would be to for them to reach out and maybe through you or through Bamba, mm-hmm. the mindfulness register, to reach out to someone and to to just have some conversation sort of based on where they are, what's inspiring mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. and to then be able to sort of, yeah, have an understanding around what will support them going forward what will mm-hmm. really um be a helpful way a realistic way a doable way to be able to connect into practice mm-hmm. and i think you know with with my journey in offering and teaching mindfulness what i see is and what i've experienced is there's many doorways in yes you yes know, there's many ways into this and there's not a right way but there's a right way for that person yeah and that feels like it's it's a conversation to be to be had to find that mm-hmm. um yeah and i think you know i just as i say that what's really in my mind is you know having taught in a dbt based service where mm-hmm. you know it's sort of mindfulness in this moment you know like just come back you know it's it's it, okay yeah mm-hmm all the way through to maybe let's say MBSR, which, you know, the tradition, tradition, it's been 45 minutes practice a day, mm-hmm. you know, so there's this whole range of possibility within and it's kind of like, okay, where's a good entry point for me? Mm-hmm. Am yes. I someone that actually, you know, a long practice would really feel something I want to explore or maybe there's, you know, the shorter something would actually be a good fit right now yes and i'm just recalling your journey katie <laughs> and i'm remembering sitting in that lay-by by a lovely field a long time ago and you know you're taking yourself through finding peace in a frantic world hey yeah i'm like is yeah. that okay to say that yeah yeah, yeah no i've discussed <laughs> i've said it i've talked about it a few times it's yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so um, how you yeah yeah i think that was a i think at the time in my life that I was upon reflection I think that was an ideal way in and an ideal doorway for me with the shorter practices and it was flexible I could do it myself 
at home I, I you know I was traveling a lot at the time and and yeah I think that was a was a really yeah really perfect way in for me um yeah and I I did actually I get I did actually get to meet Mark Williams a couple mm. of weeks ago which oh. was really special oh Katie beautiful <laughs> yeah it was um yeah we I went up to Bangor to a two-day um well a one-day introduction in, introductory session and a two-day retreat for his new program the the deeper mindfulness mm. based on feeling tone um mm. yeah and I wasn't very well <laughs> during oh, the whole I yeah. was I didn't feel my best but he was <laughs> they were yeah really really kind and um, it was just uh, so special to meet to meet um Mark and and sit sit and practice mm. with him and and Antonia in person mm. that was really special yeah and and it's so so important that there is not just one way that mm. there and we are so you know so privileged especially in the west that we have all of these different ways in at our mm. fingertips and mm. um, and that in itself can sometimes be quite overwhelming as mm. well mm. and to have that advice of having a conversation with with someone who can help you navigate the different options i think mm. is yeah really really important if that is possible for you Mm -hmm. um thank you for that and for anyone who has been practicing for a while and maybe is feeling a little bit um disconnected from their practice and maybe a little bit uninspired or, or they've stepped away from formal practice Maybe there's that bit of guilt coming in of, oh, I'm no good at meditating anymore because I've, you know, what would you have any, any advice for someone in that kind of boat? <laughs> I think a lot of kindness in there yeah. and the inevitability, you know, that mm. often practice does slip away. You know, we're in a very, a time of much busyness you know a time of much mm. demand and it's very easy for practice to you know slip away and it's okay you know and I think we you know that beautiful thing that we can begin again at any time you know and I guess it's asking the question within around what inspires me what will what will spark that kind of flow inside you know that kind of wellspring to you know to encourage me to get back to the cushion or whatever way I want to be doing this mm-hmm. you know and it may be you know maybe listening to Mark Williams or it may be listening to a teacher that you know that person has resonated with in the past mm-hmm. you know John Kabat-Zinn is doing amazing offerings Saki Santoretti is offering so much you know there's we're blessed and as I hear and I completely with you it's quite overwhelming there's so much (laughs) available now but but to come right back to the beginning maybe and to really invite Mm -hmm. that inner reflection you know who inspires me who 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 resonates for me in the way that they teach and the way that they they are in the world and and let that you kind of be like a a way of of inspiring i guess really yeah 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 
Um, thank you so much. That's um, yeah, really, really helpful. And kindness, I think, is the most helpful thing. Um, I know that for myself when my practice has slipped away and the inner critic pipes up. And um, yeah, it's remembering that this is kindness is the bedrock of of this practice. Yeah, absolutely. The foundation of it all. Yeah. 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 Yeah, completely, Katie. Mm. Awareness with kindness, eh? Yes. Awareness with love, you know, as mm. um Yeah, which kind of just bring brings me back to, you know, being in the presence of great teachers and that being back at the chapel mm-hmm. as a young girl, you know, that, that it, it was it was the awareness with love, awareness with kindness. Mm yeah yeah to be in the in the presence of that is a very special thing and to be able to offer that to others is also very very special okay well i'm feeling very inspired by our conversation (laughs) vicky (laughs) so thank you so so much um it was a true honor Katie thank you so much and really lovely just to share time with you and Mm. share some of my journey with you and thank you thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of meditation inspiration if you enjoyed this episode I'd invite you to share it with your friends family and colleagues so they can benefit from these conversations too and if you would like to leave a review I'd love to hear your feedback or you could pop me a message and I can pass that on to our interviewees too and it also really helps if you pop a rating and and follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Um, it really helps to get the podcast found by more people out there Thanks so much for listening again and see you soon.